0: Hyper Voice. I'm your host, Stephen Morioka, and today I'm joined by Alexander Hill.
1: Alola, Stephen.
0: Alola. And also joining us today is Randy Kwa. Hey, Stephen. Welcome, Randy. Glad to have you on here. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series, also known as VGC for short. We're going to talk about a few different topics today. We're going to start off with the Japan Cup or it was, was it was called the Japan Battle Championship Series. I don't remember the long it's name still Japan they had Cup right now. It's still Japan Cup. All right. The Wi-Fi technology is it. still Japan Cup. Okay. But we're going to start off with Japan Cup. It is, you know, at the time of recording, it is currently ongoing and we have, you know, a few perspectives and hope we're hoping Randy will share some of these with us. And, you know, it's exciting that they get to do five different, you know, sort of consecutive tournaments in a row. But, Randy, you know a little bit more about this than I do. So, go ahead, please.
2: Sure. Uh Let's see. The Japan Cup this year it's here for their qualifications for the World Championships. Their preliminary qualifiers is still, once again, a Wi-Fi tournament. However, what's changed from, la- from previous years is that it's a series of five Wi-Fi tournaments. And how it works is that they play in up to five tournaments and it will, they will, and in the end, and their best three scores will be pooled. Well, the top, I think, fifty or so little players, players will reach, will reach nationals, but where they'll play nationals, then then get the invites to Worlds.
1: So did you say that the top three scores were going to be pooled yes. together? Yes, they play oh, really? five
2: tournaments. They can play up to five tournaments, and their three best scores are the ones that will be chosen. And for their for
1: their Your best bet's probably to be playing in all of them. But you don't necessarily have to.
2: Yeah. However, as you know, Japan when it comes to these Wi Fi tournaments, Japan tends to be super, super serious about it. So not only are people playing in probably going to play in all five tournaments, they're gonna be playing each tournament multiple times. So you may have people playing maybe like a cart the main cart and an alternate cart in the tournament, so they've already played this first, I believe it's the first first one of five that's, got, that's gone on so far. And they've already played it twice to try to get a, score, a good score.
1: So, from what I've been seeing on Twitter from the two Americans that I know uh, that are in the tournament is Giovanni Costa and then one of the Liebert brothers, or Liebert. Uh, I believe it's not Chase. I think it's Chase's brother. Dalton. Uh, Colton, yes, uh, I believe both of them are playing in Japan Cup, and what they said, at least on tw- that I saw on Twitter, is that they played twenty battles, and I think twenty battles only.
2: Yeah, uh, it seems like you can only play for each ter- for each set of tournaments twenty battles. Well, I don't think the ruling was entirely clear at the start before when they initially announced Japan Cup, but but as they started playing now, they have twenty battles. So people are trying to go for obviously a 20-0 record as many times as they can, but you can't really take any of your games for granted in Japan Cup. So even going, even like you're starting your first games, and you're gonna have some competition, and so going 20-0 is still going to be a pretty difficult task.
1: You know, I wonder if they're. Uh, happier to have less games to play and playing only 20 per tournament, or if they would much rather have the 45, you know, ha- playing less games is obviously going to be less exhausting and, you know, you less pressure to go undefeated, but...
2: It's a bit hard to say, because they have to play less yeah. games, and yet they have to play even more games, because yes. like, this is like five tournaments spanning over about a months a month's period of time.
0: Yeah, so if you have some some of the players running two carts, then they're playing forty games for each tournament. But I actually I actually don't mind this, other than the surprise factor in it is having the tournament only only allowing you to play twenty battles entirely. You know, over the three day spans, and because they're so closely bunched together, I think it makes a lot more sense to do to undergo that kind of structure rather than. The 15 per day, so you have don't you don't necessarily have to be playing every single day, like they almost seem like they wanted you to. Rather, you can set your 20 battles for one day or split them up. Uh, you could do this, you know, in the traditional 45 game system, but I feel like this was work will work out a lot better for them, just in terms of timing. I think so too.
2: I think people were when it was announced, they were worried about having to like pretty much waste all their weekends for an entire month playing. In Japan Cup. Although, I guess some of those aren't even on, some of the tournaments don't even happen on a weekend. Some of them are in the middle of the week. So, so people were a little bit panicked about their scheduling, I think. So, maybe 20 bells is a little bit beneficial, aside from having to play
0: multiple cards. Have you guys seen sometimes the, um, sometimes there are premiere challenges held on weekdays, not even during holiday weeks? Those are the weirdest things. They feel like, uh, almost what's happening with these Wi-Fi tournaments. I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I had a friend who had a premiere challenge, like, on a Wednesday, and he was, like, telling me on Tuesday that he was preparing for it, and I was like, what, that does, what, why do you mean you have a premiere challenge tomorrow? That's just not how it works. You can't do that. But apparently you can.
0: Right, what throws me off with that, especially, is just no, um, usually they're not during holiday breaks. Some of them are just randomly, here's a weekday, we're gonna hold a, hold a tournament. But I think, um, I think we can we're safe to say we can move on from Japan cup. they have twenty battles for the entire for each tournament for each of their five tournaments and uh you know we'll see what happens with those results and if we do end up get we'll probably get to end up seeing results at some point uh with who qualifies and then we'll get to see their nationals eventually, which will be very exciting for everyone in uh who's invested into v g c twenty seventeen but we're gonna move on to our next topic, which is sportsmanship in the game in Pokemon. And I feel like this is something a very important topic to talk about, simply because this isn't really anything that we've no one's really talks about too much. It's just uh kind of hidden under the rug stuff where uh these are kind of expectations or I guess we're kinda of gonna go we're kinda of going to go over some of our expectations for what sportsmanship sportsmanship should be Good sportsmanship should be like in the game and then we have some probably have some very entertaining stories about poor sportsmanship so we're gonna we're gonna start by talking about uh just sportsmanship in general in the game so what do you guys think what it should be um in general
1: i would say a general description of sportsmanship is treating your opponent with respect and making sure that you know the end goal both of you are there to have a fun time and while one player is going to be a slightly disappointed with a loss and, you know, we all try to win. You still want, uh, to both players to walk away from the match satisfied and happy with how things had gone and how, uh, the matchup with their, like, I guess the relation to their opponent, you know, they want to walk away feeling all right, maybe like, hopefully made a friend. That's a, you know, a nice goal to set for yourself is to, uh, you know, make friends when you're playing Pokemon and also just, yeah, treat them with respect.
2: one... One question I may have about how the sportsmanship in, in the end of the battle is if you end up with in a battle where like one per, one person got really lucky, he won the battle while the other person in it like he felt like he should have won this and then have the game stolen away from him and as a winner, how would you how should you act to the person who just lost? us sometimes they don't want don't necessarily feel in the mood to shake your hand or say gg or you know, whatever
1: that is like a tough situation to be in and you know i feel like both that you can go go both ways with it because uh some people you know go and say like oh i'm sorry that that happened uh and you know some people would like to hear that be like well you're acknowledging that you got lucky you know that maybe things have, could have been different if the uh game hadn't gone that way the rng And some people will respect you for that. However, there are some people who, you know, are upset that they lost and they don't want your sympathy. They're just like, ah, well, the game is just, like, cruel to me and I'm just going to be upset no matter what. And so then saying sorry just doesn't really help the situation. So it's almost like a case-by-case basis, but...
2: Do you feel like you should say GG or say sorry regardless of the situation? Or do you think you should try to look into it and make a call or something? Well, whether you should.
1: I think you. I agree with you saying uh, the make a call situation. Uh, basically, for any game in general, I kind of follow this approach that I had learned from Gavin, actually. And I might have mentioned it on the show before, but uh, afterwards, you know, uh, if you had won, you wait until your opponent says GG. And this is mostly what I'm thinking about when I'm playing online, because it's a little different in person, but... Uh, if your opponent says GG, then you it. if you're the winner. And if you're the loser, it's kind of up to you. You know, if you are really upset with how the game went and you just want to get out of there and be done with Pokemon, then don't say GG. I'm typically going to say GG if and I, even if I lose, but when I'm winning, I'm a little bit more careful about it because, you know, the opponent might be disappointed with their own play, disappointed with the RNG. And so saying GG, even though it's generally referred to as the respectful thing, sometimes can rub salt in the wound. And so I play it a little carefully.
0: See, while I understand that notion where you're coming from, I disagree with you there that where, th- with, uh, being it up to the loser to say GG after to reciprocate, you know, whether they, w- whether the loss was hexy or not, or if they're upset. I feel like if you're not saying, if you're not responding, that's being a poor sport.
1: That's your opinion on it. All right. All right.
0: Yeah. So it's fine if, you know, the winner says GG, stuff like that. And, you know, if your opponent doesn't say anything, then I feel like, they're not being re- they're not being extremely respectful to you because it's not like your opponent it's not like your opponent did anything to you that was in their control other than they chose that they chose a certain move or whatever whatever it be but most of the times those RNG factors aren't necessarily fully in their control so uh, I I don't see that yeah I guess I, it is my opinion but I don't think that uh, not se- by not saying GG, you're being a poor sport. But I guess in terms of that, with GG handshakes, I kinda want to go over, you know, maybe a lighter thing about this is when you get to a match to play a new to play an opponent, and you know, we do handshakes typically to introduce ourselves, right? You know, that's just the normal, conventional thing to do. And I just have a question for you guys: is how many is too many? So in my <laughs> mind, usually. <laughs> So, for some of the germaphobes out there and people who don't necessarily like shaking hands too much, and I know there are a bunch of people out there because I have to shake all these people's hands all the time, but there is, you know, I guess kind of a almost like a protocol everyone goes through. So, if you do not know your opponent, you know, obviously you should at least introduce yourselves that way and shake hands. I feel like, so that would be one for me if I'm playing a new player. So, that's one. You have... Good luck for game one, with a potential handshake there, that's two. Good game for game one, good luck for game two, good luck for game, Uh, good game for, good game for game two, that's five already. If you go to game three, you get another two potentially. So there's five to seven handshakes in there, and I feel like five is too much. Do you think it's too much? I do think it's too much. I think that's
2: about right. I think if, oh, really, beyond, really. if you have reasons to go beyond that, then it
1: might then it might be too much.
0: <laughs> what, what? What? Where are we going with this?
1: The middle of the game, you're like oh, good play, put her there. <laughs> good play, <laughs> handshake. <laughs> um, I would say I do think it's a little too much, but I don't know. Like uh, for a best of three, I typically you know maybe do the introduction handshake as I'm sitting down, and then. Do one, you know, before the game. Good luck. Uh, however, I normally wait until the very end of the set to do a good game, good set kind of handshake, and like we're we're done here. I I normally go with I guess the two to three option, uh, not because I'm like afraid of touching my opponent's hands. If they go for the handshake before game one, and game two, and game three, and then afterwards as well, I will reciprocate and shake hands. I just I normally don't. Uh, initiate that many handshakes i just like to start the set with a handshake and that set with a handshake and maybe one introduction handshake
2: i don't think i give it too much thought on how many handshakes i give to people
1: um you know it, that's what we're here for though yeah, Randy. we I need you to it's give thought somewhere to
2: it. between what you say alex and what steven says somewhere between <laughs> there well it's either usually what alex says or what steven says i don't think i do like five handshakes
0: or oh, it's like yeah i feel like if you add the good luck handshakes in there then you're getting extra out of your opponent i guess but uh generally you know if you do not shake hands for the good luck portions you know right before you start one of the games you know i'm okay with that you know if nobody says it that's fine if you don't say it back that's fine because you know luck's this crazy element in the game uh another thing is for if your opponent reaches out to shake your hand you know they put their hand there do not Skip on... Do not just brush that aside or do not ignore them for that. Just shake their hand regardless of what's happening. Um I actually have a story about this and I guess this kind of falls into a poor sportsmanship example and generally we're not going to name names when we provide some of these stories but for this one, you can find this on stream. This is Gavin Michaels versus Arash Omadi Worlds 2014 Uh The... First round, so first round of that tournament, they're on stream, right? And I I'm in the i I'm in the stands or the seats because I did not qualify for worlds that year, and I'm there at Worlds able to watch them play and see their interactions at the table. And they go into you know, they do their typical handshakes for the start of the match and the game was one and two, but then Arash had lost game two, I believe. I believe this is the correct order. And when we get to game three, Gavin uh reaches or extends his hand to shake Arash's hand and say good luck so Gavin's hand is just hanging out there and Arash does nothing and that just looks so bad in my opinion when you just ignore your opponent like that and especially on stream and at worlds and you are the defending world champion
1: you both end up looking like fools in that situation where the person left hanging is like well, like my hand's just here and then the other person is just you know looking a little bit uh I don't know, just, I guess, poor sportsmanship, like we've uh, said, and it's, uh, I would say that, you know, if your opponent puts out their hand, yeah, like you said, you should definitely reciprocate. Uh, I have a story about it as well uh, that I was personally involved in. Back at Collinsville in 2016, I had faced someone and Smeargle had gotten a lot of moody boosts, and I ended up losing largely because of it, and afterwards... My opponent just went for the handshake, and I was just like, ah, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just don't feel like so good about that set or something like that, or about the match, because it was best of one. And so I just didn't shake their hand, and I, I like was just because I was really salty and upset about the RNG, and... I remember the second day of the tournament, I was sitting down watching some matches and I saw my opponent sitting like a seat or two away from me and I ended up going over to him and I was like apologizing and I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry about that. Like that was really just, uh, not cool. I'm sorry that I didn't shake your hand. I just was really upset about the match and my opponent was very understanding. So that was really nice. But, um, if you don't end up like respecting your opponent that way, at least in my opinion, I ended up regretting it and I just didn't feel so good about my, uh, I don't know, my self-respect, and so I wanted to really apologize for it, but, yeah, I think if your opponent goes for a handshake, you should definitely reciprocate.
0: Yeah, Alex, shame, shame. Did you at least (laughs) say good game?
1: Yeah, something like that, I don't know, I was just like, yeah, like, I was just a really salty guy, real salty guy.
0: Okay, well, yeah, things can get very heated in Pokemon, a lot more heated than we would expect, or maybe it is just as heated as we would expect, but things can get really (laughs) heated. Randy, do you have any stories, whether you were personally involved or any examples you can think of about shaking hands? No, this doesn't. This doesn't have to go with handshakes, but just like sportsmanship.
2: Um, I had one time at World uh, last year at Worlds, well, around round four, or where my opponent just stormed off in the middle of battle, all at the at the very end of game three because he since he lost and we were x two at the moment, so he was eliminated. It,
1: he said some not-so-friendly
2: words, then stormed
1: off. Was it uh, as a result of RNG, or was he just disappointed in his play? Um, and did he take his DS with? He took his DS with him. He didn't actually warp okay, okay.
2: it, so I was le- left with... Uh, left, oh, that's left why you said middle of battle. In. But... Uh, I don't think it was this... I can't remember exactly if it was... was due to, like, moody boosts or whatever. I just know that and oh wait I think it' that I revealed late late in the game that I'm scarf snargle yeah I think it was let I revealed late in game three that I was scarf snartal and a hit both.
0: okay and your opponent is storming off in at the end of that match not giving you you know signing the slip or whatever and then yep. finishing you know properly slip,
2: did not did not hit four it just took his DS, Matt and
0: just stormed off and how did this make you feel?
2: <laughs> um, kind of confused about about him being so angry about about it, because it is 2016, and and you you should be well aware of all the things that are going on that that can cause this sort of thing in 2016.
1: And you're facing Randy Qua. But the,
2: but, but yeah, it felt kind of like if it I felt kind of confused about the situation and it's like, why like, during the, like, as the matches progress, that's like he won convincingly game one. He lost game two and, like, he was already he's showing signs, signs of, like, him being agitated and being not very happy about it. And and in game three, he just, like, blew, blew steam in and left. Uh, so, I'm not, not too sure whether I feel like he like he, like it, it felt like I was being disrespected a bit. And you know, you know, I guess that's why it came down to you. Know. So I guess that's why he's thrown off. as like you kind of have this "serves you right" kind of feel, but it's just a, a bit of a confusing situation to me.
0: Right, very understandable, and I think you know this is kind of the whole point of why we're talking. Why we're talking about this is to be mindful and show respect to all of your opponents. No matter what happens in the matches, um, you know if it's if it's if all the games are there's no there aren't like out, there aren't outside influences. So I guess you know if you so there's another thing we could talk about here, which is you know if you think your opponent was blatantly cheating in whatever manner, then that's a whole different story. But if your game was just the game being itself, then don't be a sore loser. Please just be respectful and mindful of your opponents because. More than likely, chances are is you're gonna be stuck in the same venue for most of the day or weekend, you know, depending on what tournament it is. So just be very mindful of that. You know, there's some other examples I can think of that aren't necessarily involved with uh, any of the three of us, but here are some other stories or I guess examples that we I can share here. One was. There was an opponent who, you know, I'm assuming they got hexed out. And I heard this from... I believe I heard this from Alex or someone else, but somebody literally th- ripped their 3DS in half uh, in the middle of the match playing someone. You know, obviously they they probably were going to lose and then they probably were done for the rest of the day as well. So that's probably not a good story to... Or that's probably not a good thing for their opponent. Um, another one is... I remember someone again, this is through word of mouth, is that someone uh got up out of their chair, you know, kinda of did this the slide back from the from those chairs that you're sitting in. They slid back and then got up and threw their chair to the side, right? It didn't end up hitting anyone, but they just tossed their chair to the side and you know, if you're if you're someone's opponent, that kind of makes you freak out a bit. Like people gotta watch their tempers. Like I hate see I hate hearing about those kind of things.
1: Yeah, I had an instance at a recent tournament where a player was just cursing me out a bunch because I had gotten a fair amount of my luck to turn the set around and ended up winning it, and it's very uncomfortable to be on the other side of, and uh, I was just telling that person, like, you know, this isn't on me, like, it's not in my control, I'm just playing to uh, to the only way I could win the game, which is, I was using Discharge, and I was trying to get Paralysis because that was the only way I could bring the game back, and they were like, yeah, cursing out. And then I was like, this isn't my fault. Like, you know, this is like, this is Pokemon. This is what happens. You know, you sign up for this when you play the game. And, you know, like when you get hacked out by someone or you have poor luck, uh, whether it's one way or the other, uh, and it's out of the, your control, you know, be respectful about it. Respect that it's not on your opponent. You know, your opponent is not the one who... Cause this to happen. You are both, like I said, playing Pokemon. You signed up for this. You should expect luck to happen in these games. And so, you know, react accordingly. Take it with a grain of salt. And, you know, just don't pin it on them. Don't victimize, or not victimize, villainize your opponent for getting good luck against you because it really isn't their fault. It's just the game.
0: Right. I I agree with you with some of those filled moments um, that... It is not your fault, you know, it's not your fault, it's the game, you know, producing the result you're going for, and it's out of your control after you select the move, but do you almost feel like it's dangerous to say that to them? Like, hey, this isn't my fault, I, um, because I almost feel like, it almost feels like an insult, and do you think, I mean, do you feel like that's dangerous to say?
1: It depends on the person, you know, it depends on how close you are with them. This person I had known, and so... Uh, and I had seen this happen before, and so I was like, you know, like, calm down, uh, you don't want to, like, you know, make a scene, uh, and I was just telling them because, you know, we are both, uh, familiar with each other, and so I was saying, like, you know, just take it easy, like, uh, like, you know that you don't, like, you you don't hate me right now because, you know, this is just the game, it's just Pokemon, so it's really, again, another one of those case-by-case things where if you're not familiar with the person and then they're on, like, the verge of, like, maybe... Doing something violent, you know, maybe try to back off, just stay quiet, let them get it out of their system. But, uh yeah, again, another case by case thing.
2: I think it could be a bit dangerous to be saying to people, well, because in some senses, is when you're you like when you're in those situations, you play towards your outs, right? And if your out is taking that ten percent chance, it is. You do have the choice of not going for your ten percent chance of just losing, but you go for that because that's your out to win the battle. So in a sense, it is sort of your fault that you went for the move, but the luck is just. But ultimately, it's the luck. It's luck that decides whether you're actually going to win from that or not.
1: Well, the way I like to look at it in that situation is your opponent didn't have the game guaranteed wrapped up. Yeah, and whether these opportunities are, you know, 10%, 3%, 1%, or even less, your opponent didn't have the game 100% sealed up. If it's just, you know, one Pokemon versus one, and your Pokemon's faster and guaranteed to KO, that's a guaranteed win as long as you click the right button. However, if you're in a situation where maybe you need to hit a Draco Meteor to win the game, and you miss it and lose, you know, maybe you could have played the game differently to... Uh, have a more guaranteed win condition. And so that's where I say it's not really your fault, is if there is a chance that your opponent can come back through luck, then there you didn't exactly wrap up the game perfectly. Yeah,
2: this usually also gets brought up in past battles in the case of, you know, swagger.
1: Swagger. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a different case. Oh, that's well, true.
2: 1v1 <laughs> endgame, just hit the swagger button.
1: Yeah, I think that's still another case of like playing your outs, and uh, while you might get upset that uh, the a lot of the game was a coin flip at that point, or a slightly weighted coin flip in past formats, um, it's just, it's, you know, they had it on their moveset, it was a tool that they had available to them to use in a situation like this.
0: Right, I think it just takes a, just, in terms of uh, progressing through, you know, being a good sport, and also just understanding that hacks is part of the game is has a great deal to do with your maturity and how well you how well you you know how well you can take uh your losses for in playing the game especially when some of those luck moments happen to you and i think you know the thing to take away from all of this is that sportsmanship is something that's very important to me um you know just playing the game for all these years It's something I've noticed in uh, just improvement for in myself, in uh, my brother, who I've been, you know, watching since the start as well. Uh, So just just seeing the progression in myself and my brother and Randy, you and I have both been around since the beginning. We've seen a lot of
2: players. 2005, guys. Long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, long time. We've both been here since, both been in the, you know, this competitive, active competitive Pokemon scene for a while. We've seen different players come and go. We've seen players mature and we've, we've, we know, we know when newer players come into the scene and when they don't, we can, I think we can easily pick out when they don't understand some of the, you know, finer nuances of, uh, understanding the game from some of those perspectives of just, you know, Hey, it was luck or, you know, those kinds of things, uh, It's really interesting just to see some of these new players come, you know, come and go and see all the different personalities that we get in this game. Because some people have better tempers than others. It also feels like some
2: people have, like, really hot tempers, yet yet are also still able to play the game, like, really well and do well in tournaments. And so it's kind of interesting how some people could, can actually, like, be kind of hot tempered or losing a battle are able to like quickly cool, calm themselves, cool themselves down and, and maintain focus for future games
1: you know the those people who end up doing well with uh, hot tempers then as they're succeeding you know more attention is drawn to them and that's where you kind of start to see people maybe trying to correct them or just warn them about you know their reactions and how they might be perceived and so uh, that's where that's why you maybe it's not a huge a uh, thing that you see all over the place, uh, at the high level for VGC players is a ton of people, uh, at the top with poor sportsmanship. Uh, at that point, you know, you learn that, you know, if you want to help grow the game, you gotta like look, uh, like a respectable player. And also just with a lot of eyes on you, uh, you want people to respect yourself. And so, uh, I guess that would be the, uh, important takeaway from there. Um, and I think just in general, anyone, whether you're a top player or not, uh, if you want to kind of welcome newer players to the scene, you want to you know be a good role model and you know show good sportsmanship so that it's uh, more welcoming to the new newer players.
0: Right, and I'm not saying that anyone has to change their attitudes in terms of their own personalities just to fit this mold of hey, I'm being a good person here. You just just show respect to your opponents. That's all I'm really asking for in seeing some of these players play, and. I guess there's one more thing I wanted to ask you guys about. You know how, so we all know how Swiss can, with the resistance, can be a train wreck. And one of the reasons at the end of each match that we do, that that well, say, for example, that we would wish our opponents good luck the rest of the tournament. Uh, one, I feel like it's, you know, just a good thing to do. Uh, you know, respectable thing that you don't have to do it. Uh, another thing is, You actually want them to because you do care about how they're doing the rest of the tournament to help you in case you need the resistance factor. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys about whether wishing... So I've caught myself, you know, I'm guilty of doing this. You know, if I lose to an opponent, I usually leave it up. Well, I generally leave it up to the winner to say it. If I lose to an opponent, I usually do not say good luck to them the rest of the tournament unless they say it first. And there's, some, there's some, been some times where they didn't say anything, and I didn't say anything, and we just left. And, you know, I feel bad about it, but uh, I do feel like it's the responsibility of the winner to take care of that. What do you guys think? Uh,
1: I'm kind of in the opposite boat where you were with the uh, GG, where I was saying GG was responsible for the winner. Uh I just, really? I say, I say it regardless, uh, just, like, good luck in the rest of the tournament. I just... Uh, You know, sometimes, especially with players that you aren't uh familiar with, like I'm going to do it to all my friends because I want my friends to do well and also resistance is a thing. Uh But for the people that I'm not so familiar with, you know, playing a complete stranger for the first time, it's also really good uh kind of just a casual goodbye, like uh good luck in the rest of your matches and then, you know, walk away from there. And I feel like it's a really good way to just wrap up the conversation or just a good ending note so that you can... Uh, move on and, you know, go talk to other people or how, whatever else you plan on doing.
2: Yeah, I tend to be, I tend to try to wish my opponent good luck at the end of, at the end of the battle. I'll win or lose. Except for times when I'm, like, busy trying to catch up writing notes or something. Which then I might not notice they already left.
1: I remember back in, uh, 2016, uh, you know, maybe like partway through the season, I had, uh, taken up a, I think it was actually in the postseason, I had taken up the habit of ch- waiting until like team preview. And if they had Smeargle, I would say, have fun. And if they didn't have Smeargle, I would say, good luck, have fun. Uh, just, <laughs> and I was mostly just doing this at small scale tournaments like Premier Challenges. And like, uh, I-, I was doing it with friends that knew the joke. And so, uh, like, people, like, nearby, like, I would say, like, have fun, and then they'd be like, oh, you must have a Smeargle, and, like, they would, like, know, like, the, the running gag, but uh, I I did that mo- mostly as a joke, but also partially because uh, I always think it's funny when you, at the beginning of the game, say, like, good luck and have fun to your opponent, and then at the end, uh, you ended up getting, like, hacked out or something like that, and you look at it, and you say, like, well, you wished me luck at the beginning of the game, so you know it's almost your fault. <laughs> and so uh, I, I almost like kind of took that to heart, and I'm like, well, you know, at least if Smeargle hacks me, I I didn't wish it good luck at the beginning. I didn't curse myself.
2: But do you at least have? Do you at least have fun with that?
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. That uh, it comes down to if they wish me to have fun or not, uh, and how much fun you consider 2016. <laughs> oh man. Uh, But Something I wanted to ask both of you guys about, because this is actually something big for me, and I brought it up, and it's, I think, somewhat sportsmanship-related, and that's talking to your opponent. Uh, This mostly comes into play for myself uh, at the smaller events, like Premier Challenges, but it occasionally happens if I'm playing a friend or someone that uh, does want to talk to me at a regional or above-level event. Uh, but mostly, I'm talking about the small-scale events like Premier Challenges, where you're playing people that you've played several times over, you're friends with or familiar with. Uh, how do you feel about talking during the match? Because I will definitely talk to you during a match. Like I'll maybe be a bit more quiet during the move selection, but then like as soon as both of us have locked in, uh, I'll be like, "Oh, I went for this move. Did you counter that or something like that?" Uh, just casual conversation, whether no matter what it's about. Uh, what do you guys? feel or how do you guys feel about talking to your opponent during the match
0: Randy? i'll let you respond first but alex just yaps and yaps and yaps like i have to uh. play local events <laughs> with him all the time <laughs> but uh, uh
2: um if, I, if it's someone i know like someone i've played a few, against a few times someone i'm more comfortable or casual with if i'm okay with talking to them they're probably okay talking back to me if it's someone like i don't really know or if Or if I'm trying to like focus a bit more, like I'm down zero two and I need to win out at the beach day two, then I'm probably going to be a lot less talkative. If it's someone I don't know talking to me constantly, it it gets kind of annoying,
1: so I try to tune it out. It's especially annoying when they don't get the message. Like I I try not to talk to people that I'm not familiar with, so I'm mostly doing this with friends. And if they stop responding, you know I'm going to stop talking. But Uh, yeah, with people that I'm not familiar with and they like, don't stop talking to you. Like I try to like, you know, uh, pull out the headphone and then like respond to maybe what they said and then put it back in to show like, Oh, like I can't hear you, you know? So I'm, I'm focusing on the game. Uh, do you guys both listen to music? Because I listen to music when I play and I know, uh, Steven, I don't actually chat with much during the games because he has both headphones in. And so I'm like, well, I can't even talk to this guy anyway, even if he is my friend.
0: Well, there's a a reason for that is it is my preference to prefer dead silence while playing from, you know, the chit-chatter between opponents. So, you know, you're right in both my headphones are usually in and volume is max, volume is just blasting its max (laughs) just so I cannot hear anything from anyone. You know, sometimes there are even situations where I've been going down to timer or a sudden death or, you know, time's running out in these re- in this recent format and the judges were saying something to me I didn't hear them. <laughs> which uh which is bad, so they kinda had to tap me on the shoulder, which I appreciate that. But you know, I, I am someone who prefers dead silence. I know there are a lot of other players who, you know, they kinda go both ways. Some or they're either both ways, they have a mix, or some prefer, you know, dead silent matches, other prefer they're a little more talkative. Yeah, I just I just like being with my own thoughts and thinking through the moves. I don't want distractions from uh, opponents spectators whoever else is potentially involved with the match um i guess to go along with that and you know you guys can feel free to keep responding about the talking to your opponent thing but another thing is with the you know in the when you're on stream and there's one ds that usually has the stream tech tech you know what's it called the cable or the cord just well, like, the into stream
1: the... ds is what we call it so Thank you.
0: The stream, the stream DS has the volume jack is blocked off because they're using it for the uh, computer, or the stream that's capturing the game for the capture card. Yeah. And usually, for most of those stream matches, one side will be able to have music and the other doesn't. And I always hate that when I don't get the music because then it's just pure dead silence. And I, we used to we usually we in the past we did have to do that. And since we moved to music, you know, I like the music and. When I get in those situations, I hate it. I hate it so much when I don't have music. And, you know, I don't like talking to my, my opponents too much. And, you know, what am I going to do?
2: Is that why I usually see you on the opponent side when whenever you're on the main stream, <laughs> on official streams? You're almost always
0: on the opponent side. That actually happens to be coincidence. Like, I always prefer it. Um, but, you know, if I'm on the main DS, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. You know, I let the, uh, what is it? The judges usually the judges or the stream crew usually decide where we go. i I think it depends if you have a downloadable version on your game or if you have a cartridge. So uh, for me, it's it's at least been by chance so far. I know for when I played Franklin Lewis in the top eight of the Collinsville Regional in 2016, we we'd actually we'd actually argued behind the curtains to to see who gets the not streamed DS yes to listen to music right. And we both really wanted it. We both played Rock, Paper, Scissors in the back. You know, best of three for that. And ultimately, we decided with the judges, hey, we both really want this. I think it would be fair if neither of us got to wear our headphones. So we agreed on that. And if you go back to watch that match, you'll see neither of us have our headphones in uh, for the music at least. I think they make us wear the, what is it? The Noise-canceling headphones. Sound-canceling headphones, yeah.
1: Well, you bring that up, Steven. Uh, That's basically what happened at Collinsville, you know didn't matter what side i was on i was actually not on the stream ds the entire time but i didn't get to listen to music it was just white loud loud static all day and they it was... made you
0: put those in right what's that they made you put those in right cuz i asked them can i use my own headphones they said no you got to put these in
1: exactly yes Yep. Yeah, you couldn't choose to listen to your own game even if you were not on the stream ds and yeah it was just white static and you know uh because of that, I was like, well, you know, I might try to like talk to my opponent a little bit, but, uh, there was, uh, not a lot of conversation at Collinsville that, uh, weekend. Uh, I'd say the person I probably talked the most with was, uh, Nick, but yeah, just, uh, very loud white, wa- white, uh, noise, white, like staticky. And it was, it was pretty unpleasant. Um, because yeah, obviously the absence of music is, uh, a minus, but then also having a really distracting, annoying noise was also another minus.
0: It's unpleasant, but it's fair.
1: Yes, yeah. It's a, it's When it's a, even for both people, then, you know, you can't really hate the system that much. But, yeah, I think we're getting a little bit carried away from sportsmanship. But, you know, that's all right. We can go on tangents.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'm thinking the... You know, it's, it's a fair thing to do. I do hope they're continuing this. I haven't seen much of the official streams recently. Uh, Randy, just really quickly here. Are you someone who listens to music while playing?
2: I do not have headphones on, but I'm playing. I just listen to ambient noise of the venue. <laughs> all right, all right.
0: Yeah, I guess you get to hear the sound effects of...
2: And if you're sitting yeah, too close to a uh, hype match on a side TV, you hear all the cheering, too. Do you remember 2014 when I think it's Amarillo playing against Ashton Cox and everyone's like heckling on the watching it on the side street? Yeah, I get to hear all that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess then it does have its pluses. It's pretty distracting,
2: but
0: I guess so. Yeah, you get you get to hear the crowd.
2: When, it, when the crowd gets that loud, it gets kind of distracting.
0: Yeah, it it definitely can. I think the. The match in that situation you're describing was uh I think I heard it through YouTube because the when it when it was happening live, I think it was playing so I had you know music going. I didn't hear anything. I don't know what you guys are talking about <laughs>
1: Max volume
0: <laughs> exactly gotta tune out everybody else, but uh yeah we we kind of veered off from sportsmanship. maybe there's some, some something related at some point. It was the talking to your opponent part we were talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, but maybe we should veer into the next subject before we wrap up and talk briefly about what's happening this coming weekend.
0: Oh, excellent! Uh, you're right. That is, but uh, probably by the time this episode is live, Sao Paulo, in, the Sao Paulo International, the Latin America one, is probably happening already. Um, yeah, that's that's a, a, our third international. We're going to be heading into this, and then after that, we'll have just the North American International left. But uh, just um, any thoughts? Going into the season so far, and just this international.
1: Well, one thing worth uh, noting is I believe this will have an official stream in yes, Portuguese. Uh, I believe that's what we did see. So uh, definitely tune in and watch it if uh, it isn't already passed and happened at the point that this is uploaded. But uh, it was, if not, just you know, check it out. Check out the past broadcast because there's going to be some high level play here, and we'll kind of see what the next big meta push, if there is one at all, uh, coming up at this tournament. You know, we're going to see. Uh, Have people come up with new strategies? We've seen a lot of Drift Lele come out. Is it going to continue to be successful? Or has it got enough attention that people are going to start hard countering it? Uh, We'll have to see what uh, really stands out at the top at this tournament. I'm going to try to catch some of it myself since it should be a pretty uh, light weekend Pokemon-wise, except for those people down in Brazil. So uh, good luck to all the competitors there, and I definitely look forward to watching it.
2: I believe the stream will be in Portuguese for the official stream i'm not sure if there's going to be like an english version of the stream or not
1: so do they have an official portuguese stream team
2: i'm not sure i don't really know who's going to be actually on the stream team i i just know that i've heard that it's the official stream it's going to be in portuguese
1: it'd be cool if we had like the typical american stream team but they all knew portuguese and they were just speaking a different language for us that would be interesting. <laughs>
0: What if we oh we could have the we could have, you know, some of our standard stream team down there and then they have uh, Portuguese translators talking over them.
1: Mm-hmm. And you just that. see them mouthing the words.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like at Worlds when um either Masuda comes on stage or who's the what's the director's name? The president's name? Sun Yes, thank you uh tunakazu comes on you know they have their that their, their translators there it'll be kind of fun to see something like that for these streams but stream is good news good news to hear that the international is going to be streamed uh people hope hopefully you guys will be able to tune in and watch some of it or uh get the find the recaps of it in the vods you guys have anything else about sao paulo
1: not really i think you know we're just gonna have to see what happens there see what uh what unfolds, uh, you know, there's probably going to be some more CP snowballing, snowballing all the way to indie and then onward to Worlds. But you know, it's not something that we didn't know about already. Yeah,
0: right. I mean, stuff snowballing—that's out of our control already. That's downhill. <laughs>
1: it's a very real
0: way downhill. <laughs> See, so for for those people, they've climbed the mountain and now they're heading down. They're rolling down already. Whereas a lot of others, they have a still a very much an uphill battle. Just to qualify.
1: Yeah. Yeah, people are out there like with 900 CP and I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to get 500. Hold on. Like, can you share some of that?
0: Oh, yeah. I wonder uh, I wonder how much fun that would be to share points.
1: Split, what a chaotic split, system like, that would be.
0: Right. I mean, you get to s- split hotel costs and travel costs and fees. Why not split CP too? But <laughs> finally, we have a tiny, small Roar of segment. Or, so God, Roar, of Se- Roar of Time segment. Which uh, we're not going to devote an entire episode to this because this story is rather short, but is very entertaining for those of you who are familiar with this situation. So, Randy, Randy competed at 2011 in the U.S. Nationals, and he also made the top cut in the top 16.
2: But you did top eight for Worlds that year,
0: right? What Randy just mentioned is an important important part of the story for 2011 U.S. Nationals is that you had to, in order to qualify for Worlds, well, there was no championship points back then. Um You had to essentially go to the Nationals and you had to make top 8. That was how you qualified for Worlds that year. And another important factor is this is still the, you know, 6-week, 7-week Regional Cycle where there's Regionals every weekend. You need to make top 16 at a Regional to qualify for U.S. Nationals. And if you did not do that through Regionals, the U.S. Nationals had an LCQ the day before, right? That Randy, if there was a controversial moment or a controversial event or moment that happened during that tournament, do you remember what that is? Hmm.
2: I do remember what that is. got something to do with our good friend Deagle.
1: Deagle Beagle. Oh no. <laughs> I'm excited all for right. this.
0: So this is, this is the inside scoop because I've told nobody about this at all. Only uh my family knows about this this story. Um so this is the great legendary story of Deagles fan 092. And so what this is is you have Ryan Chambers who's Deagle Beagle. He had qualified to Nationals, right? He made top six at least top sixteen in the California regional during that circuit season. So he had qualified for nationals, but he did not have enough money to come out to play in it and so he was stuck in California, and instead of playing in it, so that's that's part that's that's some background here, which is important as well as the qualification and all that stuff. And you have Matt bears Bearspan 092, who goes to the last chance qualifier at Nationals, right? And he plays in it. You know, try to you try to advance through those rounds, make it to the final. I think it ended up being 17 because they had a weird odd number, but. You need to advance through those rounds to make it to play the next day at U.S. Nationals. That's how an LCQ works, and the oppo- the person now standing next to in line was one of his opponent was the opponent who beat him in the LCQ the day before that Friday. So why this why this uh, why I'm bringing this up now is because everyone who was at that Nationals or hears stories about it knows how uh Mike Lisek, who is the predecessor to Play Pokemon Organized Play, you know, the director. He was in charge of the video game before Chris Brown came around. And basically, if you don't know the story, is Bears fan didn't make it through the LCQ, so he was not qualified for Nationals. But he tried to register as Deagle for Nationals (laughs) because... So Matt was trying to be Ryan in the tournament. And so the opponent... I was or the uh, player I was standing next to in the registration line that Saturday morning was the person who beat him in the LCQ the day before. And I also know who Ryan and Matt are, so that also helps me a little bit. I am actually the rat who told the judges, hey, that's not Ryan Chambers. I think this guy's an imposter. Wait, you were the one who had it? <laughs> you were the one who had that Bears fan out? Well, you guys will be able to see this in the thumbnail or the photos, but... um. You can see in this picture that I'm standing in the registration line. I'm very close to Matt Sabeldin, right? Yep. And I was I was overhearing him making this plan, right? So yep. I was like, okay, this isn't cool. This is going to ruin the integrity of the tournament. I have to say something.
1: All right. <laughs> I did not know this. This is so so interesting. I I remember hearing about the uh the potential identity theft issue at two thousand eleven from you at some point, just little bits and pieces of the story. I did not know that you were the one who informed the judges.
2: Also, with regards to um him ta- him him asking about whether he could be whether he could impersonate Deagle or not uh, uh Deagle's brother, Metabo, was at was at Nationals. I believe he did ask ask Metabo you know, whether uh, he would be okay with him doing that. And Metaboo was okay with it. So that's why he, so he did sort of get permission to take, assume Deagle's name and try to do that. I remember,
0: I remember reading online through the forums that, you know, he'd either asked Metaboo or he'd asked Ryan himself online, hey, is it okay if I go through with this? But I was, I was, uh, you know, being very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vigilant, I guess. I was being very vigilant with this tournament and just, uh, I, not running, wanting to ruin the integrity of it, and you know, imagine if he had actually done well, what would have ha- what would have happened later? Do you remember when before we started the uh player meeting, Mike Lisek had to make that announcement, like, "Hey, we had we just had someone try to impersonate someone at this tournament. If anyone else tries to do this ever again, you're going to be banned for life from play Pokemon." Yeah, that was the that was the major threat, but I was close enough in the line to. Matt, to overhear him making these plans. And I was thinking, you know what? I can't allow this to happen. I got to let the let the judges know or just let someone know, hey, we think something's up. And the guy who was, again, who I mentioned, who I was standing next to, um, you know, he agreed with me. He's like, hey, I played that guy yesterday and I beat him. Like, how's he registering for nationals right now? So <laughs> Karma, Karma ended up working out for the tournament. Uh, ended up qualifying for Worlds by making top eight. Uh, losing to Wolf in the quarters. and I believe Randy I lost Wolf, Wolf also...
2: I lost to Wolf. That was not a good... That was... That battle was not a good battle for me. Let's just... Let's me just neither. He
0: kind of steamrolled me. <laughs> yeah, he was a brand new player. Like, when I first saw that too, I was like... I thought I was going to get Randy. And then I just get... We just get this new regional winners guy who's brand new to the scene. And he, he just wins the whole thing. It's crazy. But... I think uh what's the best part about the story for with uh, Eagles fan O nine two, so Matt, right? Um few years down the road he holds these get togethers at his house and he invites, you know, everyone in the Chicago area to come over this is like during Thanksgiving break or winter break, and you know, come over, play video games, Smash Brothers, we'll play Pokemon, do some streaming stuff. So me and my my brother and I go and we both know the story of him. This is the first time I actually meet Matt in person is at his house. And I do not tell him about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> the man invites me over to his house and I say nothing about this story.
1: Must have been a silly time there though. Just knowing that the whole time you and your brother.
0: Yeah, it was, it had been like a year or a year and a half or maybe two years removed already. So it wasn't too bad, but... If you ever wanted to if yeah, if you ever wanted to hear about this controversy, this story from way back then, I this is no lie, I was the guy who ratted him out and put everyone in those situations and made made uh, Mike have to give that big announcement. But it was me. Had to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, uh pretty good photographic evidence too, you know, if you don't believe. But uh that is the that is the story from twenty eleven US Nationals. Um, yeah, if you guys catch anything like that in the future, you know, be sure to report it. Uh, same thing with like anything else regarding that, you know, good sportsmanship, but, uh, Matt, if you are listening, um, I did have to do it. You know, it was the right thing to do from my perspective and, you know, thanks. What if, uh, you know, Matt, do, ima- do imagine if Matt did end up doing well, what could have happened? Um, Just. You know, skewing tournament results that, uh, you know, in that way.
1: Would have been an interesting kind of timeline there, just what would have happened if, uh, someone who had impersonated another player actually ended up doing well enough at the tournament to be recognized for it. Uh, that's just a weird scenario that you don't ever imagine coming up at a tournament.
2: Or if he got, or if he did well, but got caught later in the tournament and it had to be DQ'd. then. Like, he got caught before the tournament even started, so, sorry, didn't have to clap any trouble with all the tournament results, but he could have been caught l- later, and it actually could have caused him to receive more severe punishment if he actually did get caught later when the tournament was That's started. a good
1: point. That is a good point, that you know, by informing the judges, you know, Steven might have saved uh, Matt from being like, banned from tournaments for life, you know. <laughs> that could have been... uh a whole different story if he had actually gone and played in the tournament.
0: That's true. I mean, while it seems like I'm the hero to Matt, I'm probably the villain for doing that. But I guess we'll never know, really, what would have happened if, you know, we had allowed Matt to play. But nonetheless, uh thought it was a fun story to bring up because, you know, I've never told it before. So, great times in VGC's history.
1: Who's the hero? You decide.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's up to the listener to determine. Uh, All right, I guess, so we talked about Japan Cup, sportsmanship, the international, and that uh, story from 2011 U.S. Nationals. Do you guys have any closing thoughts for anything we've talked about?
1: Uh, I guess all I want to say is, you know, if you have any questions or feedbacks or subjects you want to hear us talk about, please do let us know. And how should they let us know, Stephen? How should they let us know what they want us to talk about, what questions they have for us, or any feedback they want to give to us?
0: Ah, you're right. Uh, you can send an email to us at vgchypervoice at gmail.com. Um, uh, you can tweet at us, ask, send us your questions, some feedback about the show. Uh, we're also on iTunes. You can leave us a review there and download the show from there. Randy, quaw, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. You know, You're welcome. I've known you for a very long time and uh, been wanting to get you on for the longest time.
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: You know, it would have been nicer if we got to talk a little more in-depth Pokemon with you but you know from what I've heard you're not as invested as in this season
2: not this year at least can't go to any of the ICs so my invite prospects are pretty dead no snowballs Mm -hmm. for me that's for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) or for many other people but again thanks for being on the show we're really uh we're glad to have you on and I think that will be a wrap lastly we're all on Twitter. You can find us all on there. Randy, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: Uh, r underscore inanimate.
0: Perfect. You guys can follow Randy there. Uh, very, very well-respected, well-accomplished player. Uh, definitely check him out. He's uh, great. Fantastic. Lastly, uh, Alex, where can people follow you?
1: At Lexicon VGC. And we can find Steven Morioka at...
0: Super Morioka, thanks for listening to the show. We very much appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed it and stay tuned for more of the Hyper Voice.